0: Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Big football game Friday night. The Utes and the Pac-12 title game for the third time in four years. Nick Ford, offensive lineman for the Utes, joins us every week here on The Zone Sports Network talking title game with Nick. Nick, good morning. Good morning. Nick, it's a lot of work to get back to this point, but you have done it you are in game week for the Pac-12 championship game for the third time in four years. Can you put into words for all the fans out there how much work it is when you got to start over, go back to square one, and try to get back to this point again?
1: Yeah, I mean, it is is a lot of work. You go, you know, you start all the way right after bowl prep and hit winter conditioning and you know you have your long days, you're waking up at five in the morning getting home at eleven o'clock, and that's pretty much your schedule most of the time until you know season hits and then season's about like a six thirty to eleven ten o'clock schedule and you know it is it is long and rough for sure um and uh going into this season, I think this was probably like the longest road to get to this uh point to where we are right now in terms of uh physically and mentally.
2: It's interesting that you get Oregon and you just pulverized them two weeks ago. We all know about that. I think it was the greatest conference win that the Utes have had since they've been in the Pac-12. And now you get them two weeks later on a neutral field. Uh, What are your thoughts about Oregon being maybe like a wounded animal? Because obviously you guys just embarrassed them. Not only just beat them, but embarrassed them. So what does that mean as far as... What's going to happen this week?
1: Um, I mean, that doesn't mean anything if we don't go out there and do it again. Um, our main focus right now is, you know, just keep the even keel and continue to do what we've been doing. Because if you begin to, you know, uh, think too much and get too tense and get too stressed, uh, that's as bad as being too relaxed and not worrying at all. So um, we got to, you know, make sure that we understand that, uh, you know, a couple of days ago, because that's really what it was. A couple of days ago it was a couple of days ago. And uh, this Friday is a new game, and we need to attack that game the same exact way that we did last time. But, uh, you know, it doesn't mean nothing if we can't go out and do it again.
0: You know, after that Oregon win in the post game, Britton Covey brought up, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but basically said, We made them mad. They're going to be angry. They were going to bring it in that game in a way uh, that we had better be prepared for because they aren't going to be the same team they were out there tonight. And I wondered, how much was that, Britain just figuring that stuff out and looking ahead, and how much the coaches addressed that with you after the game?
1: Um, that was more Britain looking ahead, because coaches really focus on, you know, whatever, whatever we have next for sure. But, um, I mean, everyone understands that, you know, um, there is a good possibility of that, um, you know, people have a lot of opinions, and um, there's a lot of competitors on that team, and a true competitor is going to be really pissed off. They're going to be pissed off for greatness, and it's going to um, you know, make it into a way more fun game.
2: I think it's cool that you play these guys because it's clear you guys are the two best Pac-12 teams. They're ranked tenth, and uh, you're ranked 14th. So, an opportunity to beat them again, you know, move up in the Rose Bowl, and, and you'll obviously you'll play a highly ranked uh, Big uh, Ten team if you win. Whoever wins will, um, to me, from a fan perspective. That's what I want for the U of U, to get the most exposure, the best possible outcomes possible. As I look at that, I think this is what it is. How do
1: you view it? Um, I I mean, I view it exactly how the coach has been viewing it. You know, going into this week being 1-0, um, that's that's my main focus. That's our main focus. Um we understand that you know there's a good amount of exposure, and there's a lot of great things that can come with you know the possibility of winning this week and you know a New York six Rose Bowl um but if if we look forward to the possibilities and the if or but you know you don't you don't accomplish what's set out right in front of you. so I mean, um you know we understand what um can happen in the long run and what it could um be interpreted like, but uh we need to for sure continue to stay you know on our track that we've been doing
0: Nick Ford Ute offensive lineman joining us what if anything do you learn and do you take from the two previous Pac-12 title games you've been in this will be the third and four years so there are going to be some guys in this roster you know familiar with this game in this moment what do you take from those two previous trips
1: um a couple, a couple things, and I think the main thing is what I've been harping on right now and, you know, that we're getting the team, especially the young cats, to understand that, uh, you know, if, if there's not going to be anyone too relaxed. I guarantee that. There's no one on this team that's going to be too relaxed. Um, the worst thing that would happen is people being too tense because that's, uh, you know, that's as bad as being too relaxed. So, I mean, um, you know, just getting everyone to understand that, you know, this is a big game, but don't, you know, big players make big plays on big stages. And um, we need to understand that and keep everyone at even keel and continue to push forward the way we've been doing. Because if we do that and we attack the week exactly how we attacked the week last time and we attack the game, we attack everything in the exact same fashion, we'll be okay. But, you know, if we start getting too tense, then it's not going to fare well. So we need to make sure, you know, we just continue to be ourselves and do everything we've been doing.
2: As I checked out the Oregon-Oregon State game the other night and knowing that uh, Oregon needed to win, I think the most impressed that I was with the Ducks is their defense because Oregon State has been known to run the ball very, very well this whole entire season. And Oregon really bottled up the Beavers' running attack. I don't know if you watched it uh, and can speak to it, but I'm wondering uh, if you did, did they do anything different and how much more... Difficult, do you think that this game would be for the Utes to run the ball against Oregon because their run defense on Saturday sure looked really good?
1: Uh, I mean, their their run defense has been amazing all year. You look at the stats. Um, you know, we got, like I said, we played them a couple of weeks ago, and you know they're an incredible run defense. They're a, a talented defense. Um, they uh, had we watched film, and they've had a slight variation. That's very slight. And, um, you know, we're just going to go out there and do exactly what we did last time. And, you know, we got to understand that we dictate the tempo. And, you know, if we continue to go and do what we're do- doing, then we don't, we don't really have much to worry about because, but like I said a couple weeks ago, if you look at their overall stats, they're one of the best-run defenses in the country. And I'm sure they still are to this day. Um, and I think the main thing is just going out there and, understanding that even though we see everything on film from our game and we see everything from Oregon State game that we're going to go out there and they're going to have adjustments made. Um, Maybe they uh, are going to do things that they didn't do in Oregon State game because they're saving it for us. Maybe they're going to do this maybe they're going to do that. And uh, we're going to have to go out there and adjust and you know the faster we adjust and go we're going to start getting points on the board. And The slower we adjust it's going to be the exact opposite. So I think the main thing is going out there um, and doing what we've been doing and uh, continuing to play our style of football to, you know, produce the points we've been producing.
0: How's Bam feeling? It looked like he uh, the one thing he didn't want was injuries in that game, and he, he left, but he did come back to the game, so how's he
1: doing? That boy's fine. <laughs> yeah, he's a fool. Now that boy's fine.
2: Yeah, I, I would think that uh, as far as health goes, it seems like you guys are in a pretty good position. So, you know, they've ha- you've had a couple injuries along the way, but nothing that looks like would getting the what, nothing new. I should say should get in the way of this game, right?
1: Yeah, de- definitely not. And you know, if if and you know if things were to happen, or um, even if things were happening in the game, I think the mentality of this team is that. Uh, I think, in all honesty, that people would sacrifice the, their bodies to, you know, come out with our ultimate goal because you know it's been a very long road uh, mentally and physically, and uh, you know everyone's going to do everything they can until they drop to go out and do what we need to do.
0: So, with the Oregon players, uh, was there any uh, either during the game or after the game any talk about rematch next time? Maybe you're walking off the field, see you in two weeks, any of that stuff or no?
1: Oh, no, for sure. No, I got a I got a couple friends over there, and, you know, I was talking to them. I'm like, I, I'm seeing a, a couple of weeks. Said, yeah, I'm seeing. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, just texting them and, you know, just being, you know, casual and stuff because, like I said, you know, football is an amazing sport, um, ultimate, one of the most ultimate competitive sports in the world, and, um, you know, it's still, you still have those friendships, and, um, yeah, there's definitely a lot of, there's a lot of talk, I mean, we got brothers on each other's team. we got people who grew up with each other. We got people uh who went to the same school who went to rival schools um we they, I mean they got some salt Lake boys and you know Utah boys so um there's a lot of people who have mutual connections and uh you know we all kind of figured it would happen and you know we all have chit chatted before and um yeah, for sure, I mean, I even was talking about it to a couple of the cats
2: so you've been coy about what your future plans are. Uh, But that could have been your last game in Rice-Eccles. Was there any extra sense of emotions?
1: Uh, Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, having my family be there and everything. um, They came out, Paul Tawala and his wife. uh, I consider them family. They're really close to me. Um, You know, they printed out a a big picture of my brother who passed away. Um, And, yeah, I mean, it was a... A tad bit of an emotional game, but uh, you know, I kinda have a have a switch in my head. Um, so you know, um walking out the tunnel, it was slightly emotional. Uh, but you know, as soon as that was over, it I mean that was over, it's time to go out and play.
0: You know, you've been at the U a long time now and Kyle Whittingham has spoken of you probably two, at least two times in the last month at his press conferences, maybe more. Uh, And he he clearly holds you in high regard and likes the way you you work and the way you carry yourself and the way you're a leader on the team. And I'm just curious if you have heard so much from Kyle over the years. At any point, could you stand up when he's ready to address the team and tell him, never mind, Kyle, I got this. I know what you're going to say. I mean, as the words come out of his mouth, you literally know, I know he's going to say this.
1: Yeah, I mean... You know you, coach wits uh you know he's an amazing guy, he has a very specific style of coaching, and that's what it's been for years and the longer you hear, you start to understand that and uh you understand what he's gonna say when he's gonna say it how he's gonna say it um I would never dare interrupt him, you know that's rude um but you know we've grown uh very close to each other um he doesn't uh i don't I don't really listen into uh the press conferences and stuff like that. Um I'm sure you know he may say this that uh every every now and again um but you know my relationship with him is really nice uh and it's the same with all the coaches and that's what I think makes this program special is because they're they're a coach but at the same time they're a father figure and friend um. They're going to be your coach and be that father figure and, you know, be stern when they need to. But at the same time, they'll joke the next minute and, you know, be friendly the next minute and, you know, chit-chat, whatever it is. And um, so, yeah, you kind of get a feel for people's personalities, what they're going to say. It's like, you know, having a friend that's uh, really responsible and, you know, takes takes, you know, great care in you and um that's exactly who Coach Wood is. He's gonna be stern and make sure you do right, but he's also gonna be really friendly and, you know, make sure you're taken care of and happy.
2: Vegas only four hours away from where you grew up, do you expect some family, maybe friends to be at this ball game?
1: Oh hundred percent. They're already talking about driving out. <laughs> already buying tickets and everything and ask me if I can get some more.
2: What how many do you get access to, if any?
1: Uh at least six.
0: And how many do you think you need? How many friends and family you will, ha- will you have there?
1: Oh, only God knows, man. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Right now it's about, like, I think about, like, 15.
2: As you go into this game, and it's going to be an electric atmosphere, right, because the Rose Bowl on the, is on the line, so that's obvious. How do you uh, balance between getting emotionally ready and at a fever pitch – but not going overboard
1: with that? Um, it's a lot of experience. You know, that's why we talk to our young cats and uh, make sure they know what to do. Um, uh, we're, You know, we're going to go out to Vegas. We're going to go down into the stadium prior to playing the game uh, the day before. So nobody on the team is starstruck to be in uh, the new Raiders stadium. Then, you know, we're going to go back to the hotel and, you know, just have our normal, normal quote-unquote Friday of football where we all hang out this is on Thursday that's why I said quote unquote we all hang out you know watch a movie go eat you know just have a good time be around each other and you know cherish the moment and um you know go out there game day go out warm up do everything and um you know, just talk to everyone, get everyone hyped up and not to get too tense. And like I, like I said, that's been the main thing. And I think that's even going to be said on that game day is, you know, letting everyone understand, yes, we're on a big stage. Yes, it's a big game. Yes, there's a lot of things at stake. But, you know, we need to go out there and do exactly what we did a couple of weeks ago and exactly what we've been doing it for the past couple many weeks and you know as long as we continue to harp that and that's mainly throughout the week i think we're gonna win that battle throughout the week is attacking every single day like we've been doing and if you know if we do that i don't think the emotions are going to get too high i don't think people are going to be too tense but if we change how we have been preparing and up into the game then i think it will um affect us and uh we've done a pretty good job so far and everyone's uh you know in a good mood they understand everything just like a couple weeks ago they understand everything on the line but at the same time you know we're just preparing the way we've been preparing
0: you guys have played in classic old stadiums like the rose bowl and the uh, la memorial coliseum and you play in the new 49er stadium really is the new raider stadium going to blow anybody away is that really a, a potential issue
1: uh possibly that's that's why we're going down there uh the night before to walk around, see everything, probably go in the locker room, go out in the field, um, stuff like that. Um, you know, because it is, it is pretty cool. You can't lie. Um, and, uh, you know, I think getting that out of our system, um, you know, having a space to where you can, you know, let those emotions run out and be kind of starstruck or pretty good, especially for some of the younger guys, but I know for some of the older guys, we, we kind of understand, you know, what we're going there for. And, uh, You know, we have time to, you know, be starstruck or look around and be excited afterwards. But we for sure, you know, going the day before, it's going to help out a lot of the young guys. You know, understand that. Oh, look, this is a stadium just like every other stadium. You know, there's 120 yards, including the end zone of football field. And, you know, there's no difference in that versus Rice cycles or, you know, wherever we may be.
2: Well, we want to cover the game January 1st, so we need you to win. So can, can you take care of that for us?
1: Hey, man, we're going to continue doing what we've been doing.
0: <laughs> well,
1: Nick, we appreciate
0: a few minutes as always, and we will uh, talk to you next Monday. And, and, you know, if things go right, I'll be able to introduce you as the first Pac-12 champion in school history. Thank you, yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you, Nick. Take care. There is Nick Ford. When we come back, we'll talk Aggies because they're in the Mountain West Conference title game Saturday afternoon against San Diego State. Blake Anderson, Aggie head coach, coming up next. It's time right now to welcome in Utah State football coach Blake Anderson. Coach, good morning. Good morning. Coach, were you happier with the way your team played in New Mexico or the scores that you were getting fed to you as the updates came in from the San Diego State-Boise State game?
3: Well, I didn't I didn't get any scores until uh, after halftime. I was uh... I gave instructions. I didn't want to know. Um, just wanted to see how our guys would handle things. We we you know we obviously knew we were favored in the in the matchup and, and should be able to take care of business if we don't go down there and just do silly things. And I, w- I was really pleased. We we came out and uh, and, and were able to uh, hit the hit the big play offensively against a defense that's really kind of strange to prepare for. And defensively we did what we were supposed to do we, we played assignment ball didn't give up anything uh crazy you know we kind of we, we knew they were they were struggling to to put an offense on the field that that could uh, move the ball you know really kind of consistently we were really worried about the trick play the, the kind of big um, you know out of gap out of assignment type play and, and we avoided all that and, and so I was pleased with how we played in the first half uh, didn't find out about the score till halftime it was good to didn't know at that point that it was at least in question and um, didn't get the final score until right before the fourth, half, fourth quarter.
2: So you had an hour between the uh, start times, between their game and your game, and you had zero temptation to sneak a look at your
3: phone? Uh, oh, I had lots of temptation, but I didn't have the phone in my pocket, and I told the guys on the staff that, were, you know, that weren't really involved in calling the game that I, I just I didn't want to know. I wanted to concentrate on the first half and and we'd worry about it, you know we'd worry about it later, and really nothing we could do about it anyway, right. just wanted to make sure we took care of our business and with them being a triple option always makes you nervous, and their defense has made everybody's life miserable for quite a while. Rocky does a great job, so I just wanted to focus on us playing the best ball we could, and I was pleased with with how the first half went, so sure um. Didn't really even even you know give myself uh, an opportunity to ask until right before the fourth quarter. So because I knew time wise that yeah. we should have some idea, and yeah, yeah. Um, I, it was it was possible for me to get the score right before the fourth quarter, so I could bring the group up and just tell them to be really smart about how they handled the fourth quarter. Look, San Diego State won. We've got another game to play if we don't do anything stupid. You didn't big. want anybody to you know to get a personal foul or. Or do something really oh, yeah, down yeah, the yeah, stretch. Yeah. So uh, that was really the only time we talked about it.
2: Well, how about, though, you got like 75 to 100 people. How'd you keep them? How'd that work? Because you could have, and I, and I can get you, because you're the face of the program and you're intense on what's in front of you, but there's a lot of stuff going on to the sides of you and behind you. Did you do stuff to make sure that everybody didn't know, including your kids?
3: Well, uh, the way they reacted when I told them before the fourth quarter would tell me that nobody had leaked the information to them yet. I mean, it was almost, it was almost bang bang. I mean, when the when the third quarter whistle went dead, um, yeah, you know, we typically bring everybody up right then anyway. And a lot of times I don't step on the huddle, sometimes I do, but it, it almost worked perfectly. I mean, literally the the San Diego State Boys game had just gone to zeros as we were transitioning to the fourth quarter. I don't know that any of them had heard. They didn't react as if they had heard when I told them, look, San Diego State won. We got 15 minutes to play. Uh, just the energy in the group and the response tells me that that they they obviously didn't know. Now, there are they're bound to be people on the sideline. Trainers, you know, uh, DFO staff, personnel staff, That probably the AD. I mean, I know John and my wife were watching the game <laughs> intently the whole time over on the sideline. So there's – I just don't think it had trickled through to our players yet. And it, it almost landed where it had happened so quickly from the time the game was over to the time I got a chance to say something. So I really don't think they do anything.
0: Well, that would have, been, uh, it would have been weird if at the start of the game or early in the game you had found out Boise State was up 16-3 to and was dominating. That could have cast a pall over things and the energy level guys play with. I'm a little surprised the Lobos just didn't put it on the scoreboard.
3: Uh, yeah me too to be honest and, and honestly in most most places that you play they're gonna conference have they're kind of scrolling yeah you know so I, I I didn't see it anywhere uh it never popped up and so I, it worked out in our favor I just talked all week about controlling what we can control go play the best game we can try to you know kind of get the taste of our mouth of, of the game we played against Juan, we didn't play well and frustrated about that so I, I feel like the kids handle it handle it uh, as, as good as you Yes, you could.
2: So, is it a situation of good news you get to play San Diego State, but bad news you have to play San Diego State?
3: (laughs) Yeah, they're a good football team and catching them on the road. Yeah, you know, we'll take the challenge. We'll take the challenge. I think um, what we do offensively, you know, can create some problems for them. The one game they lost, Fresno, kind of spreads you out a little bit. And and so, there's some similarities there. Um, I think we've learned some things about us defensively, and hopefully, we'll approach. Uh, you know this game in a way that gives us the best chance to be successful. But I mean, we don't have to be better than them every day of the week. We just got to be better on Saturday at noon, and uh, we'll, we'll prepare that way to 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 you know really go in with a game plan that minimizes the the uh, mismatches that we're going to see. There are going to be some, and really plays to our strengths, and it's it's helped us win some games this season that honestly on paper we weren't supposed to win. So why not another one?
0: So, San Diego State changed quarterbacks in the middle of the game. That was part of the spark. Also, the early start maybe was part of it, too. But uh, do you prepare for both quarterbacks in that case? Brookshire's played in five games now, although that's the first game he's played in in more than a month.
3: Yeah, I think we kind of have to. We we don't really know what to expect. We've seen both be effective. And, I mean, you don't win 11 games with two different quarterbacks playing unless they both bring some value to things. So, I think we have to have the approach that we could see either or both. Kinda of similar to what we, we dealt with going into San Jose. Um it, it it presents some issues for us obviously because they don't they don't play exactly the same style of ball, but I think we're pretty pretty um, I don't know, they don't this guy's all they you know what they want to do. They want to run the ball at you and play great defense and control the control the clock and, and find out how physical you can play. So regardless which one up is out there that's going to be the challenge defensively. we got to, we got to find a way to own the line of scrimmage.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't think there'd be any surprises because you look at Hoke. He was a Big Ten guy. He coached under Long. He coached with Long. He succeeded Long. And it's it's basically you know what they're all about. The thing that I'm a little concerned with for you guys is you've spoken uh, in, in a sense of that you need to get bigger and that type of thing. and. Uh, t- t- this San Diego State team to an extent reminds me of like a BYU team in terms of their size and their strength and all that type of stuff how much does that concern you because you've been up front saying that's an area that you need to address
3: yeah it's absolutely a concern you know we're gonna have to try to use speed and quickness we're gonna have to be really smart with our personnel packages to try to match their size they're one of the biggest teams in the league you know he's built that team that way on purpose and doesn't have to go too far from home to find the guys to do it uh you know there's been a, at times this year we've been a little bit more effective at it than others and been able to disguise a little bit of that so but we're gonna have to hold point some way somehow we're gonna have to hold point and we can do that with adding extra bodies we can do that with movement we can do that with some sub-personnel packages so i, I think we're going to attack the problem every way we can and then hopefully offensively we can make them really uncomfortable and create a tempo that's uncomfortable for them and, and in some games as we've seen earlier in the year you know, maybe change the tempo of the game and make it a little bit more of our style of game than, than theirs and that would be you know, that would be huge for us if we can get that kind of game going.
0: Do you think that they will even try to run the ball outside the numbers that much or are they really just going to run it right at you and stay inside the tackles?
3: You know they like outside zone I don't think they'll get too far away from what they do uh, outside zone power inside zone those things are going to stop them at, at, we you know, we did a great job against Colorado State. We did a terrible job against Wyoming. So there's some similarities. Uh, you know, we at times we we did a good job against Boise and BYU, and at times they just I mean right through us. So it's going to be uh, all the things we've learned through the season, figuring out what's our best answers against this particular group. Cause I don't think they'll change personality. They're good at what they do. It's got them 11 and one. I, I think they stay within their personality. And we're gonna to have to find a way to defend it. And so I would expect outside zone power, inside zone and and you know, then athletic quarterbacks that, that, that clearly can move the chains. one of the best punters in the country that's gonna flip the field and I mean, we're gonna to have to play our best ball to to find a way to win.
2: Any concern about a happy to be here mentality?
3: I uh, sure hope not. First conversation we had, man, is it, it's not enough just to get there, man. You get this opportunity maybe once a lifetime. Uh, some of these guys are almost done with their career you need to you need to squeeze every ounce of juice out of it you can let's go let's go find a way to win. I like the the way they approached it coming out of the locker room the body language and the you know just the way they responded to me was good. uh We'll hit it again you know every day this week and I've been in this situation before uh and and each team kind of handles it differently. Uh, hopefully this group will go there hungry and and excited about the opportunity and, and and really challenged to try to find a way to win it, not, not just happy to take the trip.
0: Are there going to be some Aggie fans happy to uh, pick up 20 to 30 degrees in the weather, maybe go to the beach and uh, follow you guys down there?
3: <laughs> yeah, I would think so. Now, it's supposed to be pretty here in town all week, so we've been pretty fortunate. But, yeah, I think there's a, there'll be some trips to L.A. people excited about being out there and seeing the sunshine on the beach.
2: Recruiting is open now. I think you can make uh, visits and all that stuff. How are you balancing that this week?
3: Well, you know, obviously having to use Zoom and phone and FaceTime, to let guys know, hey, we'd love to be there, but we've got we've got work to do. The people that are that are coming by to see you this week, it's because they're not playing. And uh, you know, I'd rather be playing and and making phone calls than than being out on the uh, out on the road this week. We'll we'll hammer it next week as heavy as we can, and, and get to December signing day. But. To me, this is a good problem to have. When you're playing, there's only there's only a handful of schools that are they're still working. Everybody else is out recruiting. I, I'd rather be playing a game this week.
0: I suppose you could probably have a few California kids that you're talking to uh, show up at the game.
3: Uh, we may have some guys. We are recruiting some dudes in the area, and we can't have contact with them. But it would not surprise me if some guys made the trip.
0: Well, Coach, good luck on the trip there. The Mountain West Conference title game Saturday on Fox against San Diego State. Good luck, and we will talk to you next week. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks. There's Aggie head coach Blake Anderson on the conference championship game versus San Diego State. When we come back, Frank Dolce, our Ute insider, on a coaching carousel out of control, and the Utes getting ready to face Oregon in the Pac-12 title game. That's next. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Frank Dolce, youth analyst and insider for The Zone Sports Network. He joins us on the SmartRain guest line. Best Estate award winner SmartRain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. SmartRain is giving free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. Frank, Good morning.
4: Good morning, DJ. Good morning, PK. Hope you guys had a wonderful Thanksgiving.
0: Outstanding. Had a good Thanksgiving. It was good. Yours?
4: Yeah, it was very nice. Very nice. It's my favorite holiday, so I really look forward to Thanksgiving.
0: Did you come out of Thanksgiving as uh, wealthy as uh, Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly?
4: Not quite. Wealth and friends, maybe. Aha!
2: (laughs) Uh, I would trade that for cash any day. (laughs)
4: <laughs> well, yeah, those guys. Uh, I mean, there's been this was the week, I guess, uh, for coaching changes. Um, so, pretty exciting. I I think that the Lincoln Riley hire is about as good as it could get for USC and for the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 needs USC to be a foundational team, a team that's competing for a playoff spot every year. I think that is what Lincoln Riley means to to USC. Brian Kelly is is an interesting one to me. Uh the, I don't know. I uh maybe he's just been at Notre Dame so long that I don't I don't I'm not seeing the fit at LSU, but maybe that is maybe that is a good a good fit for him. So, we'll. we'll I guess I'm I'm uh less optimistic about the Brian Kelly hire than I am about the Lincoln Riley hire. I can
2: see that on paper, but you know, I wonder, I, really don't, I don't ever really know, because you, you, you don't know who's going to be great, who's not going to be great, maybe rarely. I mean, I think that we knew Urban Meyer was just going to take the world by storm, and he did here briefly, and he's gone on and had success at the other college spots. But other than that, you know, what... What makes a good coaching hire it appears that Lincoln Riley would be a phenomenal one 38 years of age and charismatic and all that but at the same time you know the standards that he's got to achieve it's basically playoff virtually every year or at least be in contention to be in yeah. or you're not going to be considered a success.
0: 15-0 or, yeah. or bust Frank. 15-0 and or bust Well that's not, that's not so hard
4: <laughs> okay. <laughs> I I I think that uh I mean USC should be able to to a, attract that sort of talent. Um and and I really like the way that that uh that Riley utilizes his offense, his, his his philosophy um the the management of the game. People people think that he's a guy that throws the ball around a lot, but he's he he's re, his offense is really based on the run. I know he 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 worked under the air raid system with Leeds, but he doesn't really incorporate the air raid scheme so much. So, I think he's a really, really good fit um, for for USC. I, and, and to your point, PK, I thought Kevin Sumlin was gonna was gonna be the launching pad for Arizona, and we all know where that ended up. So you don't really know. I think on paper you're right. Lincoln Riley looks like it it smells like the right thing for usc and i'm less sure about brian kelly and in two years we could be talking about the complete opposite
2: right right yeah that's the thing about it is well the, the great thing is that even though we're not really sure well we will be sure one way or the other
4: <laughs> well when you started to, you know when you started in the broadcasting game i know there were a lot of naysayers
2: yeah, yeah including the guy sitting right across from me.
4: And <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've proven them all wrong. so Good for you.
0: <laughs> Not all of them. Check Twitter. All <laughs> oh, those are ding dong fans. Oh, That's isn't good. that true? He's just a fluke. He's just a fluke, and he'll be discovered one day.
4: Twitter, Twitter is—I don't even know what that is. It is the worst platform ever. It's—it's it's just full of hate and vitriol and. You, you, you know, and that's the thing is that it's like Las Vegas. You win every once in a while you win, so you keep going back. And it's the same thing on Twitter. Every once in a while you get some, you know, some nice comment about something you said, and you're like, oh, well, look, people actually like me. And then, but but then you disregard the 99% of everyone else who thinks you're, you know, you have no clue of what you're
0: talking yeah, about. Yeah, they can go to hell. <laughs>
4: Yeah, agreed. Right.
0: <laughs> okay, so I'm curious. With Brian Kelly, we were debating this. PK says it's the latest. Correct me if I'm if I'm summarizing you wrong here. PK PK says it's the latest in a long slime in a long string of slimy stories, bizarro stories, win at all costs, and it's just it's just one more. And I'm sitting over here thinking this is a new level. They've crossed a line that hasn't been crossed before. Have Coaches given up on kids in schools and teams? Absolutely. But this is the first time that a coach who's got a legitimate shot at going to the playoff and playing for the national championship has quit on his team. They've always quit on a team like Riley. Okay, we could go to a pretty good bowl game, but we're not playing for the national championship, so I'm out of here. Yeah. But this is a new level. If Georgia beats Alabama and one other team in the top four, you know, Houston beats Cincinnati, Baylor beats Oklahoma State. These are not massive upsets. Michigan losing might be a really big upset, but the other two aren't.
2: Yeah, I don't know if I would consider Alabama losing uh, to be uh, the... A big upset? Well, not necessarily an upset, but I don't know that I would necessarily view them as being out just because oh, they lose yeah. to Georgia. I don't
4: think so either. Right.
0: Oh, really? I do. No I think yeah. if they get the two... Well, because they might have to include a two-loss team, then Bama could be back in. But I, I don't think two-loss Alabama gets in over one-loss Notre Dame. Before this, now with the coach out, that gives them that gives them a pass to do it. But do you think that Kelly leaving is a new step and a new level and, a- and-, and bad for the sport?
4: I... To to use a phrase um, that you're apparently fond of, DJ, is, I think it's a one off.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you are listening I knew, earlier. I thank knew he was going there. <laughs> 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 I
4: I think I Notre Dame is such an interesting place, and even with all of the, the you know the history and the success and the tradition, and everything else, uh, you, I, I I don't know that. You've been able. To, Kelly's been able to really find the athletes. Um, certainly, a upper tier, but may, maybe not the same type of athletes that can put him make him competitive on an annual basis for the playoffs. I think that's one thing to consider. Um, I think that's why Urban Meyer went to Florida instead of going to Notre Dame. It's because exactly right. Yeah. When he, when he laid out all the cards, he thought, well, I can win national championships at Florida. I don't know if I can win right. national championships yeah. at Notre Dame. So I think that's, a, I think that's one piece of it. And, and so let's say that Kelly goes to the playoffs this year. And is, you know, maybe his team is depleted next year, and then you know, he has an average campaign. Does he have an opportunity to go to an LSU again? I don't know. It's just hard to tell. So, you know, you just can't read the future. And and then you know, I have the have the numbers been revealed? I heard that Lincoln Riley was be, being offered on the twelve to fourteen million
0: dollar a year range for oh,
4: yeah. LSU. And, and have
2: twenty twenty four seven at SC
0: twenty four seven use of a private jet by he
2: and his family,
0: whenever you want. <laughs> and they're buying him a six million dollar home, and they're buying his homes in Oklahoma. Yeah, I think it's twelve at double, million. Double uh, price. Yeah, but it's twelve million, and when you add in all the perks, then it, it's it's north of twelve million. Except that, yeah. and the numbers haven't all been revealed, but they will be at LSU because it's a state school. But Kelly's supposed to be fifteen million, and it's a total package of a hundred to one hundred ten million or something like yeah. that. Yeah, Kelly ain't going to,
2: yeah. or uh, Lincoln Riley ain't going to be living at the places he goes to recruit. Let's just put it that way, clearly.
4: No, <laughs> no, no. Well, I, I just think that it's you know, I, I like to, you know, loyalty is a lot different when, when you're talking about similar packages in terms of compensation, but it, it, loyalty becomes very, really difficult. And I guess everybody has a price and you know, $15 million a year. And I'm certain a, a big portion of that is some kind of guarantee. I, I mean, that is, that's what wealth that's, that goes down through uh. kids and grandkids and maybe even further so you know yeah i i it's very difficult to to pass that up so i think there's probably a couple things in play there is one lsu probably gives kelly a better chance at winning a national championship during his career and two it's just really hard to pass up that kind of um, for sure that kind of money
2: yeah i mean but we were dealing with sports in a sport where Coaches take a job in January, and then before the season starts in spring practice, they've taken another job. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what's left?
4: Yeah, it's it's crazy. I'm curious about like I know I know Coach Winningham has been on some of those short lists. Yes. Um, and I'm really curious. Maybe maybe you know, PK if. if Coach Witt's been in a position to pass up that kind of. Maybe he's just kind of that guy that, you know, the the money is just a smaller factor for him in considering well, where he wants to spend. I his mean, career. I, I think but he has generational
2: he wealth, up. and so I know he's taking his money here. And he's invested in a lot of different things that allow him to make more money and give him plenty of money. But he's a different breed in that way, and that he and it sounds cliche and and trite. And I'm people are saying, "Oh, you like him, so you're going to defend him in this way." But for him, uh, such a low maintenance dude that in one of his best, his greatest accomplishments. Is that all of his children went through the same grade school, junior high, and high school, and and university for that matter, and he didn't have <laughs> to move around all. I mean, he loves to say that, and that's important to him. So, yeah,
4: you know. as a, as a football coach, yeah, a big time football coach, that just doesn't happen
2: exactly. So, to me, as I view it, that was worth the money that he could have gotten other places. Yeah, and then with them going into the Pac-12, that was given a ticket to the big time.
4: Yeah, yeah. Well, wh- maybe the next big question is: I heard the you know the spot on the Ute update about how Coach Witt really enjoyed the team sending out the seniors the right way. The last you know their last game at uh, Rice Eccles was that Coach Witt's last game at Rice Eccles.
0: No. If I had to guess, I would say the answer is no. He got that uh, question at the press conference Monday. And, yeah. you know, a, a lot of coaches have told us a lot of stuff, and it's turned out not to be true. So be careful about, you know, pushing all your chips to the middle on any one thing. Well, he reserves says. the right to change his mind. Absolutely. 100% on that. But, you know, I think he'll be back next year. I do, too. With or without well, the Rose think, Bowl.
4: With or without. I, I think that uh, this this team wasn't, wasn't necessarily supposed to be the team that competed for a Rose Bowl opportunity no, next year, I think it's next year. Yeah. yeah, it is. So that's, I think that's compelling for for a coach. But my and 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 you know, if if things don't go really well next year, I don't know that it really diminishes his legacy. If you, I, I, I think we were adding this up the other day, and if you look across his career as as a football coach and specifically his time at Utah as a defensive coordinator and as a head coach. That is, that's an unbelievable list of accomplishments. And one day, you know, one day as fans, we'll sit back and recognize that we won't get caught up in the, you know, he's one and two to start the season. What's happening to this football team. It's falling apart. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, One day we'll look back and really take a look at his list of accomplishments and realize what? Well,
2: yeah, Well, it'll be was. it'll for be for, the first two or three, five and seven seasons in a row.
0: I was I was gonna say it'll be when when the schools missed on three straight head coaches like they have in basketball, because now Majerus's run we are lost out on all the the weirdness. Right, the the year that he didn't coach the whole season, and there were three different press conferences to explain three different reasons why he was going away, and we kept getting summoned to the Huntsman Center for Rick's Fellwell press conference my heart my knee my mom <laughs> yeah. but we don't care about that right now that right now like we're looking at <laughs> right now we're looking at wow he, look at all the sweet 16s the guy went to he went to 3 in a row they've only been to 3 tournaments since he left he went to 3 sweet 16s in a row and we're forgetting all the other stuff
4: yeah, I, I think, you know, and I happened to be on campus when Coach Majerus was on campus and, um, and I'll, I'll, nice relationship with him. I mean, I got lucky. I just, I just happened to bump into him in, in the office one day and, and I just had to, an opportunity to build a nice little relationship with him. Um, and, and he, I, I took some, I I was taking some shots, um, in the middle of one football season, and he was—he came to my rescue in a way, and I'll never—I'll never forget that. If—if if he didn't have all of the—if he didn't have all of the weird stuff surrounding him, and there was—I mean, there there was some weird stuff. Um, if he didn't have all of that surrounding him, um, I think he would be even more respect—not just in the community, but more respected nationally. His accomplishments at Utah are unprecedented i mean i just think that the way that he managed that basketball program and and you you made the point we we haven't seen it since his time and who knows if utah will ever get back to that level but he was an unbelievable unbelievable presence on campus no question about it.
2: Yeah, and Kyle will go, and he'll get that, and he'll get his due. I, I think he gets the Rose Bowl this year, maybe next year, maybe the playoff next year. I mean, this. I, I'm, I'm glad that the playoff play may, might be maybe. I mean, I'm not going to rule it Playoffs. out. I mean, they, a couple years back, they were right into it. And he just till, wants
0: to say it till the end. I got it. I just wanted
2: to say. I, I understand that. I I, I, I rode uh, when the Utes were playing the Bruins uh, when Jim Moore Jr. was the coach there. I was at the uh, spring. Hill Suites in Manhattan Beach there, and coming down the morning after the game was Jim Morris Sr. in the elevator, and it is all I could do to ask him about the playoffs, but I, but I didn't.
0: <laughs> I would thank him well, for that. I mean, just, I, that's brought so much joy and pleasure. We all love doing it, and we all laugh when we do it. Yeah, Every time. I'm glad he
4: did it. I, I love to think about Coach Whittingham taking a team to the playoffs, but for the Pac-12, it's not the you know sec teams get in the playoffs with with one loss maybe two losses uh you could take a big 10 team with one loss into the playoffs but are are they i know they were considering oregon and oregon was up there at number three with one loss but i don't really think the committee ever thought oregon was the number three team i thought I think the committee thought Oregon was going to take another loss and we can push him yeah. out of the playoff picture. You're gonna you're gonna to have to go undefeated in the Pac twelve to get in the playoffs. Is that um, is that
0: outlanded? Not if there's two mm-hmm. lost teams yeah. everywhere else maybe, like maybe, there maybe are this. One
4: year.
2: Loss, but but if for no other reason they return a ton of people next year and they got five guaranteed
0: wins in the South, because the South sucks for USC's turning it on a dime. <laughs> All right, before yeah. we go, so it's it's Oregon and we know what happens if the Utes play well and if Oregon plays average or poorly. The thing the Utes (laughs) can't control is, is Oregon going to come with their A game this time? Because nobody believes that was their A game. And, the Utes, can they bring their A game again?
4: Well, yeah, that is the big question. But I, but I've watched both of these teams play all year long. Uh, I have seen Oregon uh, look pretty good at times, but I would say this about both teams: if Oregon brings their A game and Utah brings their A game, I pick Utah. I I think Oregon is still flawed. I was still I, I still feel like they should have taken a loss earlier in the season outside of the Utah game. So I feel like maybe this matchup is much more what we thought it would be the first time around, like a 27, 24, 31, 28 kind of a game, super competitive at the line of scrimmage. I don't think Oregon – certainly Oregon didn't play their best, and Utah played played really well uh, and was able to get the running game going. So th- that's something something to consider. But uh, if both game if both teams are at their best, I still give the edge to Utah. I think Utah is a better team overall this year, and Utah's played better for a longer stretch this this football season. Uh, it, but you know it's it's the same thing on the other side. If Utah doesn't, if Utah's average, then they're just going to get run out of the stadium because I still think that uh, athletically. Oregon probably brings the most to the table. But but an even matchup, clean game, number ones, number ones, everybody playing at their top level. I, I give Oregon I, – I mean, I give Utah the, the edge in that game.
2: Yeah, I give it on quarterback. And quarterback alone is good enough for me.
4: I agree 100%. I, I like Brown, and he certainly showed something different against Oregon State, but Oregon State's terrible defense. And – you know, going 23 of 28, that's impressive. Um, but under different circumstances, meaning under duress, um, when the game is on his shoulders to throw the ball downfield, I don't think he, I don't think he comes up with, with the right play, with the right combination. I, he did hit some fantastic passes against Utah, no question. But he also threw a bunch of terrible passes against Utah. And I think that's more of the of what he is as a quarterback. Um, so same, you know, same game plan for Utah: contain the quarterback, keep him in front of you. you. can't let him get the quarterback run game going. Eliminate as much as you can Oregon's run game, which I think they will be much more committed to this time around. And you have to you have to force Brown to beat you through the air. And if he beats you through the air, then you know you just kind of have to take that loss. Um, But if you can do all those things, I think you give yourself a really good chance at at winning it.
0: Well, the best number for the Utes from that first game was 63 yards rushing. That was phenomenal. 63 yards, phenomenal. That they held the Ducks to 63 yards. Yeah, and if they do that again, I don't care who's a quarterback. The Utes are winning the game.
4: Yeah, I I think so too. If they hold if they hold Oregon to an under 100 yard effort on the ground again. Then, then, uh, then, you know, I would. It would be very hard for me to say that Utah doesn't come out on top in in that football game. I, I'm curious to see how Moorhead manages it. I thought he abandoned the run a little bit um, in in game one, so we'll see if he's if he sticks sticks with it a little bit more. And and by the way, you know, this is probably a, kind of a job interview for Moorhead. Uh, I, I think he's looking around for for where he's going to land next year, and he's going to have some opportunities. So we'll we'll see how he manages the game offensively for Oregon. It should be interesting.
0: Fresno State's a good job, and it's open now. So, All right, well, we'll see if that uh, – I guess what you're saying, Frank, is that that first Utah-Oregon game was not a one-off. <laughs> that
3: was uh,
4: Well, it was, it was a one-off for Oregon. I think they'll play much better <laughs> in this game. But I still believe, based on all that I've seen out of both teams – that a game versus a game i i give uh the game to utah
0: thanks frank we appreciate it man
4: it's great to catch up with you guys have a great week we'll talk to you soon
0: there's frank dolce our Ute insider when we come back what is trending all the headlines stay with us